Welcome to Conversation Mill. My name is Rebecca Dale and I am the host of the show. I have a passion for sharing how the creation of thriving local economies benefits us all. I'm fascinated by how we come together to form our communities on a macro and micro scale and how our histories and stories when shared can not only motivate and inspire, but can facilitate understanding. As our communities, large and small, bring back a more progressive Main Street, individuals are stepping out to pursue their passions and local leaders are pushing back against corporate greed. It's time to engage these community leaders and small business owners in conversation. What are the driving forces behind their courage and success? And how can we continue to build communities that embrace diversity, support the local economy, and create a healthy ecosystem for the culture at large? Join us now in conversation. When Kamalani was 10 months old, she was shot in the head by a 22 caliber bullet. She is a walking, hulaying miracle. 26 years later, she still has that bullet in her head and celebrates with her ohana and community what God's grace can do. In this episode, she shares how hula is her passion and how to her it is life and breath. We talk about celebrating the Merry Monarch Festival. In the show notes, you'll be able to find some translations of the Olalo Hawaii used in this episode, along with links to hula performances from previous years of Mary Monarch, and you can find a link to follow Kamalani on Instagram and join her on her hula journey. But now, please join us in conversation. How old were you when you started hula? Oh, geez. Okay, so my mother was a former um, kumuhula or hula teacher. So we were born into it. I like to say that, you know, everybody's they started learning how to walk. We literally danced out of the womb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she had us, she was pregnant with all of us during the entire, you know, the entire time she had her hello. So we, yeah, we've been dancing since the womb. That's our little thing that we love to say. And when I say we, I mean my brothers and I. Okay. So you have been doing hula since the womb. What is Hula. Oh, hula. I think there are so many definitions of hula, especially nowadays. Um, but to me, Kamalani, hula to me is it's just a way of life. I feel like for me personally, because of how I was raised and how I was brought up, it's just second nature for me. So it's something that has always been there, that will continue to be there. Um, if I feel like I'm missing it, I can just turn something on YouTube and just start dancing, you know? So it's, it's, it's literally, it's the breath of life. It just makes sense for me. Um, I know, especially back in, so we call it the Wakahiko or in the olden days, um, that's how our kupuna or our ancestors would tell stories or share that, you know, that genealogy, genealogy, that's how they would, um, share what had happened then to what had happened now, you know? And I feel like with hula, well, I know that with hula, we tell stories with our hands. We tell stories with the way that we move, you know? For me, I become a completely different person. 
I'm so um, I can be such like a, a mock or I can be such a a tittle. But when I dance hula, it's like I'm just like this elegant floating cloud. And I know I say that and people will hear this and they'll be like, what? Her? Yeah, right. But I literally become this different person because I'm I'm I be I go on to this stage where I have to then tell a story to somebody who has no idea what the heck I'm saying, you know, or what the heck the the song is telling us because, of course, it's going to be in Hawaiian. So there's not a lot of people who understand that. And so it's my job to then portray what it is that the song is talking about or what it is that I want them to know, you know. So it's it's kind of funny because songs, Hawaiian songs especially, a lot of them can be very dirty. If you like dive into them and like really like think about it, which I kind of love though. It's very like, it's very playful and it's very fun. But then, so it's talking about one thing, but then you as the dancer are showing a completely different thing, which then the audience captures, oh my gosh, she's doing this to me. She's pulling me in, you know? And I just, I that's what I love about Hula. I just love that you can tell this whole completely different story, even though that's not really what they're talking about, you know? Let's go back to you're like a different person. Yes. Do you, is it like acting almost? Is it, is it like, cause you, you are telling a story. So do you feel like you enter a character? Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because Again, with songs, you know, you have different songs that talk about, okay, hey, this is going to talk about, you know, a loved one, maybe somebody who had passed on. Then you're going to have another story that completely talks about, like, maybe the first birth of a baby. So two completely different things, you know, and I think those are, like, two completely different emotions as well that you have to portray and that you have to bring out and let kind of, you kind of get into, like, a, a vulnerable stage where then the audience is like, whoa, I feel whatever she is, whatever it is that she's feeling, which kind of makes it, it's 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 cool because you get to kind of play with the audience and kind of get them to interact with you to kind of understand what it is that you want to say or the story that you're going to tell. We talked about how it's like entering a character and, and telling a story. And another thing that you said, and I've experienced watching Hula is it's in Hawaiian you may not know what the hula is supposed to be representing or what the story is, but you can tell mm-hmm. from the movement, mm-hmm. from the facial expressions, mm-hmm. from the energy that comes from the dancer, mm-hmm. what the story is about. Mm-hmm. How does someone teach you that? Or where mm. does that come from as a dancer? <laughs> That's kind of funny because, okay, so um, going back a little bit, my mother was my first kumuhula. Um, she had then closed her hello um, when I want to say I was maybe about 11 or 12 when she did that, maybe younger. I don't know. But she had closed it to go back to school. Um, and when she did that, we then joined the hello of her hula sister, um, Honani Paredes. Well, she was um, she's Paredes now. She's married to Iliahi. So those Iliahi and Honani are now my kumuhula and who I dance for and who my brothers dance for. Um, and oh my kumo, she she really, especially when I entered as a soloist dancer, um, and when I say soloist um, for competitions, having that one on one with her, she like she instilled those things in me of how to 
bring those different emotions out. And along with, with my, my kumu iliahi, but more so my kumu honani because she was a solo dancer herself for many years when she danced for her kumuhula, Kili Ratio, who's also my mom's kumuhula as well. So it's kind of just like a whole full circle thing. Um, but she was a soloist for him for many, many years. And, you know, a lot of people in the hula realm um, and in the hula world know that and remember her from being Kili'i solo dancer. Um, and just, I remember vividly as like, you know, being a young girl, because I know who she was and I knew how she danced. I, I knew it. I was like, oh, I know who that is. That's my mom's hula sister. Like she can dance anything. She can show anything. And just watching her, it kind of like, I don't know what it was, but just watching her and I'm like, okay, I want to be like that. I want to dance just like that. And having those one-on-one talks, you know, those one-on-one training moments where I have to bring it out. It's literally blood, sweat, and tears when you go through those kind of things. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's so easy to dance to. You can just, you know, make a motion. Oh, it's a flower. Or, oh, it's up here. It's a mountain. So much more to that. So much more to that. It's, it's for me personally, it's, it's my entire being, my entire body, you know. You're using all of you when you're on that stage. You're literally, like I said earlier, you're being vulnerable. You're letting the audience come into your space. Because that's my space when I dance. Like, nobody's telling me what I can do, what I can't do. It's me, you know? And I like, so growing up, I then became, <laughs> I started my Instagram page, right? You know, so we think we're cool. So it became Kama Lovely. And so when I dance, I become Kama Lovely and not Kamalani. Yeah. I become this different person who's then more elevated, more elegant, and just a person that, it's just you, you know, it's just you and that other person on watching you. And it's like, no, dude, you're going to watch me. Don't look at your phone. You're going to watch me and you're going to watch me the entire dance. And that really, that really came from, you know, my kumu. My kumu really instilled that in us to, to help us to, first of all, want to love hula. Secondly, to then figure out how you're going to captivate this audience. How are you going to make them feel what you're feeling? How are you going to make them understand what it is that you understand about your song? You know, it's your presentation. It's this whole picture, this whole movie. How are you going to make them watch you the entire time? How are you going to get them engaged? Can you take us back and talk to us a little bit about those origins of hula? And it kind of leads into my next question of, those hulas being done 300 years ago, is that the hula that you're still doing today? Oh, yes, for sure. Especially so So with hula. So there's there's going to be one more traditional hula, and that's going to be the hula kahiko, or like the more ancient, like the more like back in the day, like you'll, you'll hear a lot more oli, so a lot more like vibrato in the chanting. Um, you'll see more like traditional wear, traditional clothing, um, things like that. And I feel like that alone right there is where the ancient stories came from. Especially when my kumu or even my mom has shared with us, you know, different kinds of mele or songs that they want to teach us with that has to do with kahiko. It has to do with long ago, you know, there's even stories that come from before time, before we even existed that that are still being honored and being done now. And a lot of them are sacred. A lot of them, you know, there's a time and place for them. But I am I'm very fortunate and very grateful that I have that knowledge to then use it in that I I want to say that like 
correct place in that correct time. And then you also have the more awana. I like the more, well, I like both kind of hula, but awana is more fun, you know, like you get the more flirtatious side. And then that's where like the guitars come in and the the um, ukulele comes in and more singing evolved, flowers in your hair, you know, and that's the more fun and exciting. But I really like the kahiko as well because it's just, there's just so much knowledge and so much history that there is that needs to be shared in just like one little five minute dance and people don't see that people don't don't understand that unless unless the uh, the dancer can share that the way the way that she or he dances yeah yeah what is it what does it feel like what is that experience to dance a hula that you know an ancestor has danced hundreds of years before you Oh, I kid you not. At practices, and I've, I've, oh goodness, I'm even thinking about it, and I'm getting um, goosebumps. But um, at practice, multiple times, especially when we're learning those more sacred dances, I literally can like feel my ancestors with me. I feel my kupuna with me, and that gets me even more excited to just be like, "Yo, let's learn this, you know? Let's let's dance this, and let's let's dance it good. Let's not do it, you know." half ass or sloppy right Right. so I'm just like it gets me more motivated and more excited to just be like yo I know this dance and I can feel them and I know that this is coming from them and they're happy you know and so they're I'm like okay I'm gonna share what it is that you want me to share because that's why I'm here you know let's pass it on to the next generation in the 1830s to until about the 1870s hula was banned so who kept hula alive during that time when public performances were banned. Okay, so it's funny that you said that because, you know, that goes right in to what this week is all about. This week is all about Mary Monarch and hula and, you know, keeping the tradition alive. Um, so back then, it was originally Lot Kapoeva, Kamehameha Elima. So he was Kamehameha before, um, it was right before the King David Kalakawa. So Lakapuaeva was the initial person who lifted that band and who was who was like, no, man, like we need to bring this back. But he didn't live long enough in order to be the one to bring it back and to be the one to celebrate it. That's why we celebrate Kalakawa, who then brought it back, who had it at his events, you know, who who brought it back to life, you know, and that's why we celebrate Mary Monarch. And that's why we thank him because Without him, you know, like originally, yes, we thank Lakapoeva, but he didn't have that that moment or those those years to bring it back. Thankfully, the next person in line was like, I'm on it, let's do it, let's bring it back. And that's why we get to celebrate Mary Monarch now and celebrate Hula and the life that it brings and you know, just the people that it brings to it. Not only does it bring back you know, back then, but it brings back now as well. It brings us together as a culture, as a family, as as as, as Hawaiian people, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask about that, not just about the storytelling aspect of hula, but the role it plays in the community and in the culture here. Is that something that's always been at the forefront or is that something that as a community you're still – trying to pull to the forefront what is its what is hula's role in the community 
You know, honestly, well, in my world, it's at the forefront just because of who I am and how I was raised. But I feel like there, especially nowadays, we're still continuing to pull it forward Um, because, you know, there's so much more that we can bring forward, that we can elevate, that we can learn. You know, a lot of people call me the expert in Holland. I'm like, I'm not an expert. Even experts still have to learn, you know, like, yes, I know, I know, I know this much and I will continue to learn more. But with hula, you know, it's it's continuing to bring it to the forefront. And I feel like, yes, in my world, it's at the forefront. But in a lot of people's worlds, it's not. And I and I li- love the fact that when, you know, malihini or tourists come, that's like the first thing they think about is, one, like our language. And two, oh, where is it that I can go to a luau, that I can see hula? And I'm like, oh. I'll give you some names of that, you know. I'll, I'll I'll send you to the right places. But I love that again. That it's 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 there, but it can still be even more so there, you know. Yeah. Since you brought up the tourist aspect of it, do you think that hula has been commercialized too much to where people maybe don't understand the historical significance mm-hmm. of it, or is it good that they're commercializing it so that? people are drawn to Mm -hmm. it and interested in it? Those are actually really good questions because, you know, like, yes, we're grateful that it has, you know, been commercialized in that sense. But I feel like, too, sometimes it can be overly commercialized where, too, people don't understand. You know, people just, like I said earlier, they just think, oh, oh, I can make a flower, I can dance, you know, this is, I can do this, I can do that. But they don't dive into it, into the deeper meaning of what it is that hula is. Or what it is that hula brings, you know? And I feel like that advantage for me alone is huge. And I appreciate and I think and I mahalo those tourists or those malihini that come and want to learn more. You know, that want to dive into it. They don't just see it as this, oh, hey, I'm just going to like grab my grass skirt and put some coconut bras on and just, you know, that's, that's not hula. But I haven't heard that in a long time, which I am grateful for. I but I will stop them right there. <laughs> like, no, that's not what we do. <laughs> but I'll say it nicely, though. You mentioned that your mom was your first kumu. How did your mom come to hula? Was that something that was passed down to her from her mom or her family? How did how did she become a kumu? She pursued, yeah. So I want to say that she pursued it herself, but if she's watching this, she I might, I don't know if I might get it wrong, but I do know this. I do know that she was maybe about three or four when she first started dancing, and at the time, oh mom, don't kill me. I believe she was dancing for Pukalani Hulahale, maybe older. I don't know, but um, she was dancing for Antonina Maxwell and Uncle Charlie Maxwell at first. My so she was dancing. Her sister, my auntie Malia, was dancing as well, and then my my grandmother was dancing as well. And so that's kind of where the hula, I guess, want to kind of started for her. So it kind of started as a family thing, and then obviously as she grew up, she continued it. You know, she she moved on to another halal to you know elevate and learn more. And at the time, the halal that she entered, it was called Kamakani Vili Makaha Okawa and that was Kelly Irachel and Uluvehi Guerrero at the time before they, they they split and decided to have their own hello. Um, and so my mom, she shares with me those, you know, those memories, those fond memories that she had with her kumu. 
and even moving on, you know, to like um, becoming ikumuhula. I remember that. I remember when she had to go through her her uniki. We call it a uniki, and it's kind of just this ceremony to celebrate, you know, her becoming this kumuhula. Now having her own halal where she can open up. And everybody does uniki differently. But the way that my mother did it, I thought it was really cool. You know, we did this whole ceremony for her and we celebrated her and a few others that also became kumuhula around the same time that she did. When was the moment that you were like, I want to keep doing this. I want to dance competitively. I want to make this such, I don't want to use the word professional Mm -hmm, per se, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like when you were like, I'm, this is going to be a big part of my life. When was that? <laughs> so I laugh because we have, we have to go back a little bit. So when I was in my mom's hello, obviously, you know, being the mother, being the daughter of the Kumuhula, you can do whatever you want, right? Nobody can tell you anything. So a lot of people, a lot of my aunties who were there at the time and danced for my mom, remember me running through the line, making troubles, you know, not taking it seriously. Like, oh, my my mom yelling at me in front of everybody because I just don't want to listen. Don't pay not paying attention. I kid you not. There is a picture that we still use of me. I were dancing and I believe it was at the celebration of arts. And I'm out in the the lawn with everyone, all of my hula sisters, and we're dancing. And I'm like this, and I'm looking at my dad, and I'm trying to nod at him, and I'm like, Dad, when can I go to the pool? Like, what? He's like, No, keep dancing. Like, you have to keep dancing. Get that done first. I'm like, But I want to go to the pool. So the picture is literally me like this, and I'm looking at him, and I'm still dancing though, and I still have everything on. But I think like right there, like because I was born into it I, I didn't take it seriously I was just like uh, I'm just dancing because my mom's telling me to dance you know like I literally will get on the stage and then I'll come off the stage and be like uh, whatever like I, yeah I just dance but then they're like you're so beautiful on the stage what happened you know yeah, yeah. and so I'm just like I'm not taking it seriously but it wasn't until obviously but I became older I was learning more I want to say maybe like my high school years when it was that I was already dancing for the kumu that I dance for now. And, you know, I just was like, you know what, I need I need to actually start taking this seriously. You know, I'm one day I'm going to take this for granted. You know, a lot of people don't have the knowledge that I have and want the knowledge that I have. Like, come on, come on, you know, get your stuff together. And so I just was, it was, I had the privilege of entering Hula on a Kiki. And that is a competition, a Kiki competition here on the West side, on in Ka'anapali. Happens normally around like November, once a year. Um, and I was had the, the wonderful honor and privilege of being the soloist. And I think right there, that journey, I was like, okay, I got this. Like, I need to take this for real, take this seriously, you know? And um, my Kumo normally does it with normally me and another person. So we should, they normally enter two people at the time. But it was just, it just ended up being me. You know, it was it was just like more of an intimate journey. It was hard, but I had learned so much. And that's when I realized, you know, stop it. You know, you need to take it seriously, man. Like you're giving this like, handed to you and you're not taking it seriously. Like when are you going to take it seriously? And so that's when it kind of turned for me. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for it. You know, give it to me. Let's go. Let's just give it all. And so that competition alone, I won it. I was so happy. You know, it was awesome. And I remember that year, the soloist that had entered for Mary Monarch. It was Hulali. And um, she had won that year. Oh, 
and I don't want to cry, but I just remember the way that she danced, you know? Mm. Oh, geez. <laughs> and the way that she was, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to be like that. Mm. I want to dance just like that. And, um, you know, uh, somebody had made a comment. They were like, oh, you look like a Miss Hula. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I love that comment. Like, yeah. you know, and especially growing up with my mom being my mom. That was a dream of mine, you know. That was a huge dream of mine. I always dreamt about being on that stage. Mm. And I think that motivation alone helped me to grow up <laughs> and to be like, okay, take it seriously because if you don't, you're not going to make it on that stage. You know, you're not, you're not going to be that soloist that you want to be. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about it because when I do dance or when I become come lovely, it's raw. <laughs> you can see it, you can feel it, and you know that, you know, you know that hula is everything to me yeah <laughs> sorry no, no jeez no, thank you for sharing i <sighs> i understand that emotion not obviously from the perspective of a dancer but the most beautiful hula i've ever seen was um on the top of haleakala oh yes we had gone up for sunrise Mm -hmm. and we had watched the sunrise and we came walking down and there was like nobody there Mm because this was right after a pandemic oh yeah and so there was maybe a handful of people up there and as we came walking down there was a family and a woman doing hula oh my goodness to the sunrise and again, I don't know what the story yeah. was. I don't know what the, but it felt so sacred mm-hmm. that we both just tears mm-hmm. streaming down our face. Like, how could you not? You know, right? Just, yeah. Freezing up <laughs> and we were just like wrapped in a blanket, watching tears coming down our face. Again, not knowing what the story was, mm-hmm. but the immense mm-hmm. beauty of that dance mm-hmm. and the energy, it, made me feel like we were the only people in the world mm-hmm. and this was the last sunrise on earth mm-hmm. like this that overwhelming feeling mm-hmm. so i can understand the emotion yes. of that that was came. so many years ago i want to say that was like 11 12 years ago but i still remember it vividly like it was yesterday as you could see with those yeah. emotions i just was like holy smokes it literally took me back to that time just wow. being like I think I was maybe 16 and watching that, you know, and then then wanting to be exactly that. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Mary Monarch and what it's like to dance on that stage. Oh, my gosh. I just feel like it's so fitting again. And, and you know, oh, man, I have not been on that stage in a a few years, but um, the goal is to be back one day. But, you know, just being there. So I have had the wonderful privilege of first being there as as an audience and as a supporter. My brothers were fortunate to be the first ones to enter um, from our halal. They were so young. I swear they looked like they were like in eighth grade. I think we had someone in eighth grade because the age limit is 13. So um, I feel, yeah, they just looked so young on that stage. It was 2012, I believe. But they were hammers. They like they stole the show. They knew what they were doing. You know, like they had the correct training. They had the correct, you know, just just everything. It was just, it was it was 
beautiful. It was breathtaking. It was strong. And they they kicked ass on that stage. Yeah. Um, and so being an audience was a completely different thing than actually being a competitor, the person on the stage, or like even building up to that, you know, getting ready for it. I also then had the opportunity to, one, be a soloist. So I was a soloist in 2014, again, with my brothers. And it was still kind of more of like of an intimate thing because it was just, you know, my hula brothers and me. That's it. And and my kumu, of course. But that journey alone, oh, man, that I, I talk about this all the time because I can just remember it vividly. And that journey was such a sacred journey. It was it was so much fun, so much hard work. You know, I, I it literally was blood, sweat and tears, like I said earlier, because I think we lost a few bloods somewhere, some ounces of it. But, um, you know, the whole journey, that whole experience, all the knowledge and the ike that that my kumu had shared with us, going through the motions, getting prepared for it. We even did like like some CrossFit training because we just have to be in shape. You know what I mean? Like, like I remember my dad taking me running and he had me chat while I was running to kind of build that stamina, you know, to get myself ready for that. And so... Again, being that being in that, you know, competition mode, it's awesome. It's it is fire, you know? And I remember so the day of competition, so Mary Monarch, it's a week-long thing. Um, opening ceremonies, I believe, start on Sunday. And they open it up and then they let everybody come through, you know, enjoy. Of course, we have crafts, we have all kinds of different fun things to do throughout the week. There's parades. Thursday. Well, Wednesday is Ho'ike night, and that's a free admission for everyone. So that line is long and waiting. Everybody wants to get into that. Thursday night starts our um, soloist competition, our Misolo Hula competition. That competition alone is just awesome because these women, they, they are hamas. You know, they have to sacrifice so much. They have to, they have to put aside everything and just literally live, breathe, eat, sleep hula. That's it. Like everything that you have to do has to be hula, you know, answering to Kumu guys, you know, doing whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that you're prepared and ready for that stage. Just being there and being a soloist and watching them like finally get on that stage. Holy smokes. It is a thrill because these women have to do two different types of hula now. So they do the first kahiko and then they come back on again, same night now, and they be all dolled up and they do the awana and it's just so cool because you have to do all of that this competition doesn't end till i want to say like one o'clock because you then have awards you then have to have to wait then you have to you know let the court up on the stage watch them go off the stage and so it's it's just the thrill then Friday comes. Friday is our Kahiko competition. And that's when the groups come out. So you have the men, you have the women, and they're just giving it their all. Then Saturday comes. And Saturday is kind of like that day where you can finally breathe after you dance. You know, it's like that last dance. Okay, we got this. Like, we still have to focus. We got to do this. Let's dance. Awards happen. And we're done. Yeah. You know, then we can celebrate, you know, whether whether we win or lose, we're still like, no, we we still did. We came what we came. We did what we needed to do. Yeah, maybe we didn't win, but we did what we needed to do. You know, what is one memory from Mary Monarch that stands out to you or that is your favorite memory? One vivid memory that actually the, the first one that just popped into my head. So it was my hula sisters. 
my hula brothers, and we had entered, I want to say 2019. This journey was such a great journey. And I know if they are listening and they're, you know, watching this, this little clip, it, they're going to know what I'm talking about because that Mary Monarch journey alone, it was amazing. You know, every, everything just fell into place. Everybody was on the right track. You know, the boys were helping the girls, the girls were helping the boys. There was no, I'm better than this person, you know, no, I'm going to do this. I'm, we all just came together. We finally, you know, found the vibe, found the groove, clicked, and we did it. We made it happen. And just from that alone helped us, especially my hula sisters and I so much. Like we were always so used to having our brothers backs, you know, like being there for them, taking care of them. But they really had our back that year, you know, like they, they were just in awe of us, you know, and it was special because that year we were able to win. We placed both first in Awana competition and first in Kahiko. And we also took overall that year. Oh, wow. And just there was a video that somebody had captured in the audience of us when the um, announcer had announced who the winner was. And you can see it. So our, our, our brothers, they like to sit in the back of us in like our group. And so like the girls are kind of like in the middle part. And so you can vividly see when he announces who it is that wins, our boys just get up and their excitement and they're, they're just, oh man, they're just so proud of us, you know, and that, that was huge for us, you know, that, that was huge for us as, as hula sisters and us as a hello to be able to place that high because we then had the wonderful honor and opportunity to then travel to Japan and be able to share there, um, and so that was something that my brothers always did. Our hula brothers always went to Japan. They always won, you know. They were always the ones that were that were doing it for us. Yeah. But for us to kind of, you know, shift and be like, whoa, it's our turn, you know. It was, there was an article in the um, the newspaper that said, you know, it's it's our turn to shine. Mm-hmm. And it really was. And I, I'll never forget that. That was, I want to say that was one of the most best years. But, you know, there's more year, better years to come. <laughs> um, what's your favorite story that you tell through hula what's what's one that you just really connect with and when you dance it you you feel part of the story oh man okay so there are so many because i just make the story about me you know i may i then i make whatever it is the story that's talking about about i put myself into it i'm like no you're her now and so the most favorite story, and anybody can tell you this, my f- absolute favorite song, I love a lot of songs. I'll say, that's my favorite song, that's my favorite song. But this song above all, La Ie Kovai. And it's a story about a chiefess. Her name was La Ie Kovai, and she was very sacred. She lived up in the Pali, in Pali Uli, up in, up in the hills. You know, she was she was elevated, so she had to be put up there. Um and she's she's a very she's surrounded with birds she's surrounded with you know every all the elements of 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 up in there so like the the clouds um very sacred and there was this chief that absolutely loved her you know that wanted her everybody loved her cuz she was beautiful and but it was it was who she was and who she how she portrayed herself and so this story I just instantly click to it. You know, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm her, you know, <laughs> without being humble, of course. But, you know, and and that was a story that that I have no matter what, no matter where I am dancing, it could be in the backyard or it could be on that stage. I will dance it the same way because you will feel that I am her, you know, 
I she has been through a lot. She she went through heartache, you know, she's been through through all kinds of different things. And I feel like I went through the same thing she did, just differently. You know, and again, that's that's where we talk about how how we learn these stories and we then make it become ours. How was Laie Kavai's story similar to Komalani's story? You know, how do I then become Laie Kavai? And I remember going through a journey where I had to learn about her and I read a story about her. I read stories about her, books of her. And I just was like, okay, now how am I going to show that to the audience? How's the audience then going to be like, ah, oh, She's like Kavai. I know who she's talking about, you know, especially the people who understand that and and know her story. Um, but again, it could be in the backyard or it could be on that stage all dolled up. I, I will dance it the same and you will feel that same emotion no matter what. Mm. You mentioned earlier passing hula on to the next generations. What does that effort look like or what steps are you taking or is the community taking to make sure that hula continues to be passed down to generation after generation? Efforts-wise, so prime example, um, my brother has a daughter and she dances for our hula as well. And she started with no choice, <laughs> three years old, dancing. And, um, you know, it was obviously it's hard because they're younger, but, you know, we just keep throwing her there, keep throwing her there. And thankfully, my kumu, she's excellent with kids. You know, she's very patient. Um, she just knows how to work with them. And they listened to her. Um, and so we just kept, you know, kept taking her. And, you know, it, it was frustrating because, you know, sometimes their attention span is only like this. And yeah. so you only have like a certain amount of hours to get that in them. And then you have to bring them consistently, you know, and our hula is on Saturdays at like 830. So that's the first class. And then my kumu has like all day of more children just coming in. But again, I thank my kumu who consistently put in that effort. You know, they still have full-time jobs on top of hula life and, and two kids to, to take care of and raise, not including all their extracurricular activities. But I feel like just having a kumu hula who's just, no, I'm, I, that's, my, that's my calling. That's my duty. I'm going to do that. I'm going to teach it to this younger generation so that they can then have that appreciation and teach it to their generation. So same going back to my niece um, with my brother, you know, dancing. And then we had my niece dancing. And then now she's eight and she's still dancing. You know, she's still learning all those kind of things. Hopefully when she has her kids, she'll do the same thing, you know? So I'm a huge history buff. And I really believe in looking back at history, whether it's our individual history, where we're from, where our ancestors are from. I love looking back on that history and being able to see patterns in history to be able to pull the lessons from then and apply them to now. And that's something that, you know, gets lost in our high tech society. But what are some of the lessons that from the history of Hula and the stories that are told through Hula that we can pull from those songs to today and apply them to today because I'm sure it's very easy to look back and go oh that's from 300 years ago that's from 400 years ago how does that apply to my life now how does hula apply to my life now yeah no I feel like so same I, I love history I love love learning about especially my history my culture you know there's so much more to learn even when I feel like I've learned it all um but Again, 
pulling those things that we've known from back in the day. Hawaiians were so freaking smart. Like, I don't think people even really understand that. And I think even going back to what Duke had said, had shared with you about these people on the wall. If it wasn't for them, where would we be? You know, we had electricity before the White House had electricity. Like, does that tell you anything? Like, come on, guys, wake up. But like, like, seriously, like just taking things from the past can definitely benefit us in the future. And if you don't like something that happened in the past, how are you going to change it? You got to learn from it, right? You have to know what happened in the past in order to change it. So I mean, I mean, whether you're going to use it as changing it for the better or using it, you can use it somewhere, somewhere, somehow you can use it. You can, I feel like you can use anything, whether it be something good, whether it be something bad. Cause again, like I said, you're going to change it or you're going to continue it, you know, and hula in itself has evolved so much, you know, it has, it has become different and it's, and it will be different to everybody. But to me, it's 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 a way of life. Hula is me. I am hula. And that's something that my, my cool guys had made a shirt. We made a shirt that said, I am hula, because it really is. You know, a lot of people, especially now, a lot of people know me and, and they know who I am. They know that hula is a huge part of my life. Well, the past couple of years since COVID had hit, I haven't really been dancing or been actively dancing, as you know, other people will say. But I just look at them and I'm like, Hula is me, man. Like, I'm still hula. Just because I don't dance every single day or every other week doesn't mean that I don't love hula any less or I don't love what I've learned from hula any less. I am very much so, as you can tell, very passionate about it. And I'm very, no, I will not allow anybody to tell me that hula is not me because hula is me. It's instilled in me and it is going to take me wherever I want it to take me, you know? Like, it's, it's still very much so a part of my life and who I am. Just because I don't dance every day, just because I'm not on that stage, or just because I don't have a title, you know, I'm Kamalani is hula. And hula will always be Kamalani. What is your next journey with hula? Where does hula take you next? Well, uh, first off, I have to go back to practice (laughs) in order for it to go somewhere. Um, But I feel like, I don't know, you know, I feel like it'll, it'll take me so many different capacities, you know, before... Before COVID happened, I had the opportunity to enter Mary Monarch one more time. And there was an age, there is an age limit as well um, as a soloist. And so having that opportunity, training for it, you know, I I finally had gotten to a point where I was like, oh man, it was a really hard journey because I just feel like it was completely different. You know, my Kumu expected way more out of me than what I had expected because I'm like, oh man, I know this, you know, like this is going to be easy. It's going to be second nature. No girl, you're learning still, you know, you're still getting to where you need to be and you, you weren't there yet. But when I finally felt like I was there, you know, I felt like my presentations were, were on point. Well, they were on point, but they were, they were there and they could be better. But I finally had gotten to a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's just keep going. That's it. I'm ready to show this. You know, I can confidently tell you what my presentations are about. And so when I finally got to that point, COVID happened and it was stripped from me, you know, like all those years leading up to that. That's all I knew. I was like, I'm going to be Miss Alohula. I'm going to enter, you know, it's going to be my turn. This is me. It's my turn. And unfortunately, it got stripped from me. It was something that it was out of my control. I couldn't, I couldn't really, I couldn't do anything but just cry. It was devastating. I literally felt like 
a death had just like, like, whoa, like, you're just going to stop me now? You know, like one of those fast bullet trains and then just want to stop them? How are you going to do that? You can't stop a moving fast train. That was me. I was that moving fast train. But it had to be, it was stopped. No questions asked, no nothing. It was done. And I think from that alone, oh, that was hard. And it wasn't something that I that I realized overnight. It was something that I realized a few, uh, you know, a years, couple years. It took me to realize, you know, come on, you don't have to be on that stage. You don't have to win Miss Olohula and be Miss Olohula and win that gold bracelet that all these women are win- are wearing and winning. You're still hula. People don't have to know you as oh, you're Miss Olohula twenty whatever in order to know that how important hula is to you. And I think that's when my mind shift, you know, I had a really great com- talk with my Kumu and I was like, you know, hula has now become something different for me. It's a lot more sacred, a lot more precious, you know, and it's, it's now, I'm now in this different kind of realm where hula, it's not about a title. It's not about this. It's not about that. Like I said, hula is me. And I don't need a title in order for people to know that. And hula going forward, it's going to continue to be me. Yeah. It's still going to be with me. Because not everybody has that advantage of, hey, Kama, can you dance a song for us? Sure, I'd love to. But can you dance a song for us? You know, can you, do you feel what she's dancing? Or is she just throwing motions in the air? And that's, that's, I think that's something huge for me is whenever I dance, I now want to make sure that whoever it is, even we had an event here and I was able to dance, you know, I was like, yes, it's just my family, but can they feel what it is that I want them to feel? I'm in control right now for that two minutes, three minutes. So hula moving forward, it's still going to be me and it still is me. It's just in a different kind of scenery now. And I feel like it's more elevated. You just said the thing about just throwing motions in mm-hmm. the air, which made me think, what do you feel when you see that? Mm. If you see somebody butchering yeah. love, for lack of a better word. Well, first off, my face says it all. <laughs> well, I don't really have to say anything. But I don't want to be the one to judge because I am not a hula judge. You know, I'm not an expert at hula. I'm not going to go out and be like, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that's wrong. No. Everybody learns differently and everybody has different knowledge, different ike. And so from wherever they learned it from, I just want whoever it is that's learning hula and that's kind of, you know, going through hula and the culture and the language, please take it seriously. You know, like take when you dive in, dive in, you know, like I said, don't do it half ass. Do it with everything in you. You know, it's it's a privilege. And I feel like a lot of people don't see it as a privilege. I feel like pe- some people just see it as money, you know, something easy. Oh, I'm going to just, you know, dance. So again, throw on a grass skirt, throw on a bra, give me some money. I'll shake my, my hips for you. But it's so much more than that. And I want people to understand that, especially people who are hula practitioners or who are hula people. Take it seriously. You know, yes, we can become lazy in our emotions. Yes, we can become, I don't know, tired of dancing hula. But if you become tired of it, figure out why. You know, take a break. Go back. You you can never really become tired of it. 
I think you can become lazy at it, but yeah. hey, we all get lazy, you know? And that's when I think you need to click and just be like, okay, what did it, what happened? Let's get back to it, yeah. you know? So one more question for you before we go. And this is a question that I ask all my guests. And that is if you could sit down with anybody living or dead and have a conversation like we just had, who would you want to sit with and and have a conversation with? Wow, there would be so many people. But if I only could choose one and in this moment, I think I really would like to sit down with King David Kalakaua because I would want to hear his intake on how the heck he brought this all back, you know? Yeah, you had confidence. Yes, you were very, you know, you're very strict about it. Man, what was it like back then, you know? Like, I would love to have a conversation or two or three or five or six with him about what it was like back then. Because, yes, we have these stories that were brought down to us and that were passed down to us, especially through Hula, about Hula back then. But, man, how you did that by yourself, you know? Like, straight up, how did you do that? What motivated you to do that, you know? And thank you for doing that. Because if you didn't, where would I be today? You know, where would my family be today? Yeah. Wow. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Not in the hula world, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> that's so powerful. Thank you so much for sitting with me today and sharing your hula journey and the, the journey of your family through hula and just giving us so much knowledge today. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Mahalo nui. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support.